Hey there, welcome to The Balanced Mompreneur, a podcast designed to help you grow in business, faith, and motherhood. I'm Cherie Sauer, boy mom, faith-based mompreneur coach, and owner of Heartfelt Mamas. Each week, I will be interviewing faith-filled mompreneurs and giving you tips and tricks to help you grow a profitable, sustainable business without burnout and without sacrificing your family. Let's get started. Hello, fellow mompreneurs. I'm so excited to have Rachel Fig on the podcast today. Uh, She is a fellow mompreneur of the hands-on homeschool. I found out about Rachel. Um, I heard her on the Ali Kazaza podcast. So if you don't know what that is, it's called The Purpose Show. And she was talking about um, just her homeschool journey and the virtual homeschool co-op she has. And I was super intrigued. And I know that so many of you who are in my community and my audience are starting homeschool or are new to homeschool as of last year. And so I just love what Rachel has created. And I think she just has so much insight for us as moms and especially as mompreneurs because she knows what it is to juggle homeschool while also running a business. So Rachel, welcome to the Balanced Mompreneur podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Tell us a little bit about you, about your family, where you're from, all that good stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so I have um, been homeschooling since the beginning. We started homeschooling, um, you know, when my youngest was like four, we started planning things out then. So um, I have four kids and they are now um, 10, eight, almost six and three. We live in South Carolina um, and we just, we love it here. We've, uh, my husband um, and I, I don't know. We just love, we love being here. We love everything around it. We didn't grow up here. So it's, it's kind of a fun place to live. And, um, and yeah, that's a little bit about us. Where are you guys originally from? Um, I'm kind of from all over. Um, my husband grew up in Michigan in Northern Michigan. Um, I grew up in Michigan and Chicago area. And then when I was like in late high school, my family moved out to California. So all over. Okay. I hear a little bit of an accent. Is that the Chicago? Yeah. That's the Midwest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it sneaks out I... every once in a while. <laughs> okay. I knew it. I was, I was like, South Carolina doesn't have that accent. So, okay. I've been curious to know where you're from. So yeah. Okay, yeah. That's that accent still just like slides, slides out. <laughs> I love it. I'm always jealous of people who have an accent. Uh, I just think it's, I'm so fascinated by it. I don't know why, but I just am. Yeah. Um, well, Rachel, how did you start the hands-on homeschool? Where did, where did that come from? You said you've been homeschooling. Um, and tell us a little bit more about your background because you were a teacher, right? Yes. So I, my degree is in music education and I've been teaching music like my whole life. Um, I've been teaching private lessons and I had my, got my degree in music education and then went on to teach in the public schools, in elementary schools, um, general music classes. And I loved that while I was, before I had kids, but it just wasn't feasible to continue, uh, after I had kids of my own, um, 
with schedules and all of that, it just was, it was very hard. And that's when I started to um, stay home and started thinking about, you know, kind of building up my private studio that I, that I was doing. I taught private lessons and did that, um, some, but as my kids grew into homeschooling age, I wanted more of that enrichment subject area, um, all of that in, in our homeschool. It was really hard to pull it all together, even as a music teacher, even being, you know, the, the music teacher that, and having all of these things at my fingertips, all of these, you know, lesson plans that I created for school and all of these resources, I just was having a hard time balancing all of that in, in my homeschool. So I wanted to include art and STEM and PE and all of that too. And I couldn't even do music, which is my like area of expertise. So I knew that I needed something, you know, to help with that. And, um, that's kind of like where I got the idea for, for my program, um, was through that because yeah, I mean, you just can't, if I knew that if I was having a problem and a hard time fitting in the enrichment areas, and they were that important to me, then I knew that other moms were too. So I kind of set out to create that to help me and everybody else at the same time. So it was really, it was, it was a lot of fun to put together. I partnered with some really great teachers and, um, we have just been building, uh, this, this virtual co-op program, um, for enrichment areas. That's awesome. Okay. Tell us more details about that. What does that mean? A virtual co-op? What's, what's involved with all of that? It's really cool. I think <laughs> um, it's more than, you know, you go to purchase if you, if you homeschool, you know, you go to purchase a curriculum for your kids and it's, it shows up on your doorstep and there's, you know, instructions, or maybe there's videos or something like that, that goes along with it, but it's kind of like up to you. It's, it's on you to, to do it, you know? So I wanted to create something that wasn't just for the kids. It was for the parents and as well to keep them accountable, to keep them, um, supported throughout their homeschooling. You know, so there's a, you know, there's more of a community aspect to it than just here's your classes. Enjoy, you know? Yeah. So, I love yeah. that. Um, so just to give you all a little background, I've actually signed up for, um, Rachel's the sneak peek is what she calls it. And so it kind of gives a little sneak peek into the different classes. Um, but the cool thing that I thought was really cool and what you're doing, Rachel, is helping moms to actually like, okay, how do I actually like create a curriculum and what does this look like? Um, so it's not just like, oh, here's a bunch of classes that are recorded, but you're also have kind of that like holistic approach of really trying to, um, help moms create something that's going to work for them and for their family. And that's kind of what I took out of just the first live that I watched um, that you did and, and did of that. And I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. I think it's really important that you don't just pile on more things and expect that to solve your problem. You have to come at it from a place of um, what I call create creative leadership. Like you can't just add, you know, say, oh, I need these, this subject. So I'm going to add this curriculum. Oh, I need this. And I'm going to add that. I need this and just add, 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 add. You have to be really strategic about how you're putting it together. If you want everything to fit in, because we all have a limited amount of time in our day and in our schedules. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you have, you know, you have other responsibilities that you need to, 
you, that you need to do as well. And you need to fit all these things in. So you can't just keep adding more. You have to take away almost. You have to choose things that are going to save you time in the long run. So, uh, so that's what I talk about how to plan things very strategically, looking at how long things are going to take and how you are going to, you know, put yourself, like what your passions are and where you're going to put that and plug that into your homeschool. Um, because we all have something like that. We all have a place where we're more creative or we're more, um, we like to be more involved and we like to participate, you know, with our kids and get down on their level. And then there's some things that we're not really good at teaching or uh, it's not a strong area for us or something or anything like that. And those are the ones that you delegate more. You know, you say, you know what, this is, I'm going to get something that's more scripted or that's more hands-off. And that's going to be, um, what we're going to use for that, because it's not a good use of my time or my creativity in that area. That's so smart. I love that. So you're talking about really helping moms or people who are homeschooling tap into their own strengths and bring that to the table instead of trying to do all the things that are not within their strengths. Um, and I love that. I mean, we, I talk about that all day long with my clients and with my audience of like, you have to stop doing the things that are not within your strengths and your wheelhouse, or you're going to get burnt out. You can only do so many things. And so you have to prioritize what is really important and what are the things that you can do. So I really, really love that approach. Um, so tell us, well, first of all, why did you call it the hands-on homeschool? Let's talk about that. Yeah, that's a very important part <laughs> of, of what I do. Um, a lot of homeschool, the, what I was finding when I was researching music or art um, for my own homeschool, um, for my kids, everything I found was really hands off. It was listen to this music and study the composer and learn about his life and do some worksheets or, you know, look at this picture and learn about the artist and look for the different techniques that the artist used in this picture things like that. Very hands-off, very, you know, worksheet based. And I'm just, I was like, no, like that is not how to study music and art. And, you know, and, and so I thought this, it needs to be hands-on. It needs to be you, to learn music. You must experience it. If you're going to be learning music, you need to be clapping the rhythms, reading the rhythms, um, singing the songs, playing the instruments, you know, following along to the music and, and on a child's level, you know, I'm, we're not, you know, just throwing them like symphonies and saying, okay, <laughs> read, <laughs> play the violin now, you know, it's on their level. Um, but it's, it is hands-on. So they have a piece of it. They're invested in it. Um, and that's how you're truly going to get authentic learning in, in the arts and in, in the enrichment areas or any other subject area. You can't learn you, if you really think about it, you don't really learn authentically how to do something until you've actually done it, you know, until you do it, you might have an idea of the idea or the concept, but you don't know it until you've done it. And so that's what I wanted. And all of our subject areas are like that. When we teach a lesson in the virtual co-op, we teach about, um, 
you know, the, the composer or the artist, we teach about the elements of art or the elements of music. We teach about the sport or the, you know, the science or math concepts for STEM. Um, we teach about all of those things, but every single lesson has a hands-on component where you, where, where your kids are going out and doing something that demonstrates that learning. And what it does is it ends up uh, giving connections to their other subject areas. It gives connections to the world around them. And it just brings everything kind of full circle. I think a lot of times as, um, as homeschool moms or moms in general, we think of our kids more like, you know, input output, like we tell them things and then they should know it. And then they can recall and, and spit it back out to us. That's not how the brain works. And we get, you know, like, because we get so caught up in, um, the performance, you know, the performance, like, can they, do they know their math facts? Do they know their, you know, these parts of speech? Do they know all of these things that we can measure, but that's not how the brain works. I mean, that's part of it. And they do need to know some of those things, but being a part and doing things, participating in them without that performance metric, um, always looming over them is how they're really going to learn, um, and really learn effectively and be set up to be lifelong learners so that they're not like turned off to learning altogether. You know, we want them to know that they can learn anytime, any place, you know, just they're curious and they go find out the answer. That's, that's what we really want for our kids. If we set them up for that, then any gaps in their education, anything that we miss or we forget to teach them, it's all going to be okay because they're going to go and learn it on their own because they love learning and we've set it up for that. Yeah. I love that. Taking the pressure off of moms and like us as moms of like, it's okay if they're not meeting, you know, third grade math facts or whatever it is. And one of the things that I really loved um, that you were talking about in your live is kind of your journey of when you first started homeschooling and, and what you did. And then all of a sudden you kind of took a turn and a shift and you realized that wasn't working. So tell us more about that because I really connected with that. Um, with my oldest, I started homeschooling last year and it was, it was like this performance based of like, okay, well, you know, are you actually learning what you're retaining? And there was just so much pressure and it wasn't fun. And like, we we're both in tears by the end of it. And, um, but then if we would sit down and do an art project together, or, you know, we would draw a shark and label it or whatever it is like, that was just much funner. And he was actually retaining that versus trying to push the, like, you've got to memorize your math facts because that's what third grade says. Um, so tell us more about your journey with that. Yeah. So when I started homeschooling my oldest, um, you know, he was four. I was like really gung ho. I was like, we're going to start at four. And I had, I had so many things planned and it was really fun. I had, um, just like a little, a gentle outline of the year going through like the alphabet and, uh, all of these things planned these hands-on activities. Um, I'm not really a crafty mom, but I had, um, we had memberships to like our children's museum and we would go places and we would do things. And, um, in my head, I just had all of these ideas of how this was, um, all coming together to prepare him for, you know, for the rest of school, you know, for, for kindergarten and beyond. And it was just, it was supposed to be fun and it was supposed to be enjoyable. It was supposed to be hands-on and I made it that way and it was great. And then going into kindergarten, uh, with him, I still kind of had that same sort of, uh, attitude at first. And I was doing 
those still those same kind of things. I was putting together all these fun little units and putting together math fun stuff for him to do. And it was fun and it was really good and engaging and he loved it. But I started to compare myself to um, some other homeschool families and I, they were using a curriculum and I wasn't, and I don't know why, but I started to think like, is he ever going to graduate from high school if I don't start him with curriculum right now in kindergarten? I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was ridiculous, but I started to really like think, oh, you know, he's going to get behind is what I was thinking. He's going to be behind if I don't stick to the curriculum. Uh, so I kind of got a tunnel vision and I said, we're just going to do, we'll still do that fun stuff, but I separated it. And I said, during school time, you know, we're going to focus, we're just going to focus for an hour because you're in kindergarten. So we're going to focus for an hour and we're going to do, you know, this scripted curriculum that I got. We're just going to work through that just so that I know that I'm checking the boxes, like uh, that I did it, you know, yes, check, check. And it was just really, it was fear-based because was he getting that when I was teaching him from, you know, my own uh, just my own ideas and just learning from him, what he needed from me, you know, yes, he was getting all of that, but I didn't trust myself. So I just, you know, got that tunnel vision and stuck to that curriculum, um, especially for learning to read and math, uh, especially. And then, um, and so, but as time went on with my kind of tunnel vision with that, when he got into first grade, we started to butt heads more and he didn't like school. And I was devastated because I had poured so much, you know, time and energy and, and I picked out this, you know, hands-on curriculum that was supposed to be really engaging. But what I didn't realize is how much I was expecting him uh, to just perform and just to, you know, get the, to remember the things and to do, you know, I, I was expecting this standard from him. Um, and separating the fun from everything else, separating the fun from that. Uh, we would still, you know, do those fun things, but it wasn't school anymore, you know? Um, and so when I finally took off <laughs> that pressure and just said, you know what, we're going to make our whole life more just about learning, you know, not school so much, but we're going to learn all the time. And I'm going to put the emphasis on that. And then I'm going to lower my expectations of how I expect him to perform, per spit those facts back at me. Um, and we're just going to do things together. We're going to participate. I'm going to participate, get down on his level and we're going to do things together. Um, and I'm, I started to weave in what I now call sneaky learning <laughs> where we play like board games together. And there's, I don't play the board games to teach math facts, but I know that the board game requires a little bit of math. So he has to use his, I know that I don't tell him. <laughs> so I know that that board game is going to kind of reinforce what we're doing. And then when, you know, if I know that he knows it, then I don't make him sit down with a worksheet, you know, every day and do every single thing on that worksheet. You know, I can, I know he's demonstrated that in a very low pressure way and I can just be, that can be okay. Mm, you know? I love that. Um, when you said you don't tell him it's learning. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and I think that's a, that's a really important to hear and to understand for those of you listening. Um, I, I was just, I was telling Rachel actually that, you know, if my son learns something and then like later in the day, I'll be like, Oh, that's like the milk truck rule we learned or whatever it is. He'll be like, mom, or I'll ask him like, what, like, what rule is that? And he's like, mom, 
we're not doing school. Like I don't like doing school all day. And so um, even me like pointing out that like, oh, this is something you've learned or like trying to question him on something does not go well. And so, um, but again, it comes back to that, like, cause they constantly feel like they're being tested or having to perform versus like, if we go to, like, we just went to a state park and they will rattle off facts about what they learned without even being asked. But if I specifically ask them, what did you learn? They're going to be like, well, right. And not say anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I just, I think that's such a good, um, just a good piece of wisdom to take in, especially if you're new to homeschooling of just letting off the pressure off of yourself and that fear based of like feeling like your kids are going to fall behind because the, the reality is, is homeschool, you're getting in a lot more than what they're getting in an eight, eight hour school day. And so, and every kid learns everything, you know, at a different pace. And so, um, Rachel, a lot of what you talk about when you're talking about um, just kind of this hands-on learning and just learning all the time and creating lifelong learners really reminds me a lot of like unschooling. And this is something that we've recently kind of just started to dive into and understand, like, what does that mean? I just always thought it was like um, for the hippies, I guess, you know, like <laughs> nothing wrong with hippies, but I, but when you start to understand it from like a child development of like, if you can teach lifelong learners and, and teach them that to be curious and to lean into that curiosity, um, they're going to learn much more versus you like trying to force learning on them. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just, is that kind of like the approach that you have? Not necessarily, um, okay. but yes, at the same time, um, the, the way that I kind of approach homeschooling is it works no matter what, um, method, whatever, whatever method, homeschool method that you've chosen. So you can be classical and still be a hands-on homeschool. You can be Charlotte Mason and still be a hands-on homeschool. You can be an unschooler and still be a hands-on homeschool. So that's what I love about it is because hands-on learning is so important and it, um, to all kids. And even if you, you know, have something that you strictly follow, even if you're, you know, die hard, you know, Charlotte Mason or whatever, there's so much hands-on learning that you can, that you can weave in. And there is so much that we all need to just kind of take a step back and make sure that our kids are learning authentically, no matter what our approach is for teaching, because that's how kids are going to learn no matter mm -hmm. what, you know, so we can teach it. We can present the material in any of those ways, even the unschool approach, you know, as well. Um, but, and you, but you can use curriculum. You could use a little bit of curriculum. You can make up your own curriculum. You can use, uh, just living books as curriculum. You know, anything can be your spine and your kind of your, how you structure your homeschool curriculum wise. Um, but leaving room for curiosity, hands-on learning, play, all of those things is so important. And that's, I feel like that's like the crucial part. Like that's the part that you have to make sure you have no matter how you homeschool. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And I think there's so much, um, so much pressure put on the like language arts and the math and those things are important, but 
they can also learn those things through, say, they're interested in dinosaurs or whatever it is like. Um, and so, you know, like you were saying, like whatever the approach, whatever the learning method is, doesn't matter, but you can still make it hands on. And it's important for that hands on, especially for like the younger kids. Um, and I know for me, I tend to be very like, okay, let's just check it off the list. Like we, th these are the things we need to get done. And like, if we don't get them done, you know, there's a lot of stress. And I learned very quickly that that was not a good learning environment and it was very stressful for my son and it was not fun for me. And so, um, yeah, I just love this, this whole approach. Um, Hey friend, if you are enjoying the Balanced Mompreneur podcast, mark your calendars for October 13th and 14th for the Balanced Mompreneur Summit. This is going to be a two-day event filled with speakers and authors on different topics regarding motherhood, business, faith, and life. You are going to learn from authors on publishing you're going to learn how to homeschool and run a business. You're going to learn how to find balance and prevent burnout using the Enneagram and time management and productivity strategies. You're going to learn how to balance work and family without burnout. And you are going to be able to identify the limiting beliefs and mindset blocks that are keeping you stuck. I can't wait to share more information, but I just wanted to give you a little sneak peek so you can mark your calendars for October 13th and 14th that you have. Rachel, specifically, so you're talking about enrichment areas. So if somebody were to join the virtual co-op, what do they, well, like, what does that include? So you mentioned music and art, and then is it also PE? Yeah, it's music, art, STEM, and PE. So um, the music, like I said, is uh, we talk about a composer and a classical um, piece of music or an art um, a person, a performer. Um, of classical music typically. And then we study one of their pieces and kind of analyze it. So we're always using those higher order thinking skills uh, and analyzing it and then doing something hands-on to create our own or to um, kind of just like play along or move to it, something like that, where we are becoming a part of it. So that's Music art is similar where we look at, um, you know, ancient all the way up to modern art and study the elements of art that we see there and then translate that into a piece of artwork that the kids create. And our art teacher is fabulous. She walks the kids through just step by step. And what I love about our program is that it's all pre-recorded. It's all so, which makes it self-paced. Uh, so you can pause it and you can catch up and, uh, and especially for art, that's really helpful because you can pause, get all caught up and then keep going. And it's really, it's really good. Um, we do that a lot. And then STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, and it's not those subjects taught individually. It's using those subjects together to solve problems. So this is a really fun subject. Um, we have storybooks that we use. We use picture books that we um, read, and then we do a STEM project, a STEM challenge that's related to that book. Um, and then we do that for some picture books and novels. And then we have like different challenges that are themed for the months uh, and then some open-ended challenges too. So it's a really good way to get kids to um, 
develop their problem solving skills and critical thinking, um, being creative and thinking outside the box because there's limited materials. Um, it's not, um, a lot of times people think and equate STEM with STEM kits that you can buy subscriptions and things like that, but those actually are not STEM because they send you a box with all the materials you need and instructions on how to do the thing. What STEM is, is not having instructions and planning something yourself and then testing it and seeing if it works. And then if it doesn't work, going back and doing it again, doing the planning and the designing and the creating and seeing if it works then. So I love that because we can use the things we already have in our homes, all of the supplies that we already have. We don't have to <laughs> buy and bring in stuff. All the, you know, some of that stuff is good that you can buy to, to use for STEM challenges, but we already have a lot of things. I feel like most people have what they need um, to do, to do that kind of um, stuff. And we don't need <laughs> more junk in our house. I feel like yeah. I don't like, I don't, like I said, I don't like crafts and I don't like clutter. <laughs> so um, if I can minimize that coming in, then that's a good day. But um, so that's how we do hands-on learning in STEM and then PE again, like, I think I already said this, but we learn about a sport or we're learning the history of a sport and how to do the skills in this, in that. And then we have like some sort of game or activity where we use the skills that we learned um, because of, you know, sometimes it's only one child. So we are, you know, our PE teacher is so good trying to get, you know, that skill being practiced like basketball skills or soccer skills. Um, we do juggling and we do yoga and we do jump roping, you know, all sorts of that, those things. And then giving them an activity or a thing to go and do um, a game to play something like that um, so that they get their PE in, but it's more than just moving. And it's more than just learning about the sport. It's like, it's both. And that's important. Okay. So do you recommend um, that parents do these enrichment areas? So if they were to join the co-op, do you recommend they do the videos with their kids or is it like a great opportunity for the kids to be able to do it on their own? And then they kind of do their own thing, say go work or something like that. What do you find it has been, cause you've been doing this for a year, right? This is your second year of doing this. What have you found works the best for moms or does it depend on the person and the family? It does depend on the person um, and it depends on the subject too. So I've talked to uh, other homeschool moms that are business owners as well. And they have been doing the classes, some of the classes with their kids, and then some of them they set up for them and they have the routine to do those on their own. So I think that that's really neat because like going back to what I said before about every, every mom has their own passions and their own things that are important to them you know, sometimes they just love to sit down and do the art project with their kids. And sometimes it's a good time to go and get something else done, you know? So, um, the moms, and, and I even see this with parents who are not business owners. Um, they also are, you know, sometimes they'll do them with their kids and sometimes not there's, um, again, with it being self-paced, it's nice that the, you know, if they have, let's say they have a, preschooler or a toddler, maybe a toddler or a baby. <laughs> um, and you know, that is not, a, it, that is not a good year to bring out a lot of art supplies or <laughs> things like that. Right. So what I, what I suggest, and a lot of our families have done is the kids will watch the art project, the art lesson, um, and get it started in the morning, like as a gathering activity. 
uh, or even the STEM, um, the STEM lesson, they'll watch the STEM lesson. And then later on in the day, maybe after in the afternoon, after lunch or something like that, when the baby is taking a nap, then they'll do the actual project or the STEM challenge or anything that, that involves things that, you know, little ones would get into. So there's flexibility there. You have the freedom to do, to do them with your kids or to set your kids up to do them on your own. Just depends on your, your family and you know, what you've got going on. Yeah. I love that. That's really, that's really awesome. Yeah. The STEM, um, the STEM challenges, I think is really interesting and intriguing and not having to buy. Cause I mean, like just the subscription alone for one of those is, you know, 20 to $30 a month. And so here you're providing a whole enrichment in all these different areas for about that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just think that's, I think that's really cool. And just being able to allow them more creativity of like, okay, well, what do we have around the house? Like, I think in your sneak peek, it was the bridge, the suspension bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my boys were like, oh, mom, we need to get out our blocks and, you know, and do this. And so they were thinking about like all the different things um, that they, that they could use to, to create that. So, yeah. And I've seen with just that STEM lesson, uh, the suspend building a suspension bridge I used in the example, um, blocks and twine and cardboard, but I've seen it with, Duplos. I've seen it with chairs. I've seen um, kids do them with, I mean, all sorts of materials. And it's just great because kids are so creative. Um, The purpose of that lesson is to get, you know, to get the kids to understand how suspension bridges operate and how the you know, cables literally hold up the road. So that's the point. It's not to have the prettiest bridge, you know, and if your bridge falls, when your little toy car rolls over it, great. Now we have an opportunity to build, to build it better. Now, what can we do to make it better? And that those lessons carry over into so many different areas of their life. You know, it's not just about building a bridge. It's about how do we solve a problem or how do we fix something when it's not going our way? And it's a fun way to do that and use, you know, science and engineering and math and incorporate all of those things together to really build those skills that all kids need. That's really cool. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed on the, on your music one, um, there was like a little online, like xylophone, is that an app? Like, so do you rec- do you have like, oh, here's the apps that you're going to need, or here's the materials you're going to need to get this hands-on learning. How does that work? Uh, that I actually created from scratch. Um, and, um, and then as soon as I created one from scratch, I found one like on an app. (laughs) I was like, Oh, well, here we go. Um, but no, I try to keep everything very low prep. And so it's not a lot of gathering things beforehand. So like I said, that I made, um, it's, I made that in, um, um, Google slides is how I made that. And so there's a link to it directly in the lesson takes you directly there. And there's instructions on how to use it. Um, and try to keep things very, you know, whatever materials we use, we're going to try to use those same materials all year. If you don't have like instruments like rhythm instruments, you can use body percussion. So it's just very adaptable. And, uh, because we all, um, we offer the program to, uh, kindergarten through eighth grade, it's 
it needs to be adaptable because your kindergartner is going to learn things a lot differently than your, your eighth grader. Um, but we have families that have multiple kids that, that, you know, expand that, what am I trying to say that are kindergarten through eighth grade age? Um, and they, and, oh, it's just so cool to see what they do and how each one of those children learn at their level and help each other work together and create these just, you know, these really great STEM challenges, these solutions and these art projects, and they're all just learning at their level. So it has to be adaptable um, to what you have, and it has to be adaptable for different ages and skill levels. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, um, yeah, because it's it, sometimes with like curriculum and stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to get all these different things and all. And like the, the preparation for some of that stuff is like just overwhelming for me, like, you know, just thinking about it. So um, the fact that it's just like everything's right there, I think is, is awesome. Um, so when you made the shift, so we talked about you kind of like started, you know, really fun kind of homeschooling, then kind of transitioned to that, like, okay, we got to get these things done. This is specific school time. And then kind of transitioned out of that. How has that changed the dynamic with, with your, um, especially with your oldest son who you started with first? Yeah. Um, it's funny because my second son, um, is the one that really like made me have to switch because he learns, he doesn't learn like that. And so it was, my oldest didn't like how things were going. And my second son basically just refused to learn that way. Um, and so we had, so it was inevitable. It was like perfect, a perfect storm. And it was hard. It was hard for me because I had to get rid of everything that I was expecting and basically build it up from scratch and tried some different things that, you know, some things worked, some things didn't work, but the main thing that worked was lowering the performance and, and building up me getting down with them and doing things with them, whether it was school related or not, but just relaxing a little bit, you know, a lot actually, yeah. um, and not requiring, you know, just sit and do your schoolwork during this time and this time, but just, you know, I, I, I'm not available to do school all throughout the day. I have to do other things as well, but giving more flexibility, you know, I'm available during, you know, this, this time, and they kind of know what time I'm available to sit down with them. And if I'm not, then they have to, you know, do it on their own if they don't work with me then. So it's created more of a very flexible rhythm and flow to our days, uh, that it's nothing super rigid, but everything does, you know, have a place that it's supposed to be <laughs> in its day, but it's flexible because you have to be like that. Um, and that has helped a lot. It, my attitude changing from school being formal, even homeschool, even, even my informal homeschool, I was still making, I was still trying to make it fit traditional school. I don't know. It, it wasn't, I didn't think I was doing that. I thought I was being, you know, I thought I was doing it in a, in a good way, um, not treating it like traditional school. But when I really look back, I was, I was treating it very traditional during that school time. So I don't know. That's what helped yeah, us you, the best. Um, I know you had said before when we chatted that you feel like being a teacher has a, a disadvantage. Yes. Yeah. I, it's like I said, I didn't think that I was doing it. I didn't think that that was going to hinder me. Um, especially 
being a music teacher, which is naturally a more hands-on type of a subject. Um, but for some reason I did get very, um, traditional, like traditional, you know, kind of time to sit and learn. There's a time to sit and learn and there's a time to play. And that didn't work for our family. And maybe it works for some families. Um, it definitely does not work for, for my kids. And so we, we typically do sort of a, like I said, a gathering time where we do several subjects together. We do all of our virtual co-op classes together. That's how they're designed. We do history all together, science all together, um, Bible all together, all of that kind of stuff together. If we do a read aloud, if we're doing a novel, we'll do that together. And then we kind of have our time where I'm working with one child while someone's doing independent work. And I just kind of move around between the three of them that are school age now uh, and they work and play and, you know, I get to them when I get to them type thing. And then uh, we have things that we do in the, in the afternoon that are there, you know, like they can choose, they can do what they want to do um, during that time. So it's a, just kind of a different flow that um, really works for us. And um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've settled into something that works <laughs> um, so that we can have, you know, happy learners. I mean, they fuss and stuff still, of course, but they're kids. Um, yeah. But it's, um, it's a lot better than it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, so a couple of things that you had mentioned is like finding a flow that works for you. And I think that's really important and like taking yourself out of that comparison of what other people are doing and not like, oh my gosh, they're doing this. We need to add this. Cause that doesn't work. And, um, just going with that, like kind of that intuition and that instinct of knowing, and then also knowing that like kids are different and they learn differently and what works for one child maybe isn't going to work for another child. And so, um, you know, just really being flexible in that and being okay with experimenting and knowing that like, just because you get a curriculum that may not be the right curriculum for a specific child or for any of your children and, you know, and, and being okay with trying to pivot instead of like getting stuck in the like, oh my gosh, I paid for this. Like we have to do this because I can say from experience, it's a horrible way to homeschool. Um, oh, for sure. Trying to stick with something that does, that is just not working yeah. uh, is not fun for anybody. And it does not make for a good experience all the way around. <laughs> no. And, uh, and giving yourself freedom too to tweak things. Like just because it says to do it a certain way doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. There's a lot of actually probably every curriculum that I've bought, I have done my own way. Um, because, you know, maybe I, I know my kids already know certain things. And so I cut that out, or I know my kids need extra with this. And so I supplement with something else. I kind of view curriculum. And I think it's important to view curriculum as a tool, not as your master you're teaching, you are teaching children you're not teaching a curriculum. And when you have yeah. that as your mindset, that I'm here to teach my kids, you can use curriculum. It can be your spine. It could be, you know, just kind of something that you're basing it off of, but you don't have to stick to it. It doesn't matter if you're on the right page on the right date. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, you can skip a whole unit. Um, it doesn't matter if your kids are learning and they're progressing, you know, you really know, and, and they do too, what they need to learn when what they're ready to learn next. And that progress is more important than sticking to, you know, and completing every page in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
Oh, so good, Rachel. Um, I'm really excited to dive in more into your virtual co-op. I think this is um, really cool. And you started this, I know you had said that you had the idea for a while and then 2020 happened and it just kind of all, it all, all fell into all place. <laughs> it was now yeah. or never. <laughs> so um, being a mompreneur, since you run a business, how do you fit in homeschooling and also being a business owner? Like what is kind of like your typical day look like? I know you explained your homeschool a little bit, but um I have to get up before my kids. Um, and I have to, you know, I try to get as much work done in the morning as I can. My kids are not, you know, jumping up and ready to do school first thing in the morning. So I typically let them just kind of play and do their own thing. We take, they take a very leisurely morning, uh, and that allows me to get a good chunk of work done, um, in the morning. Then I, um, you know, put, my, put my work away, get, you know, them all going for the day. Sometimes I try to do some work here and there, like answer emails or, uh, do little things with, with the business, nothing like that requires a lot of thinking, um, because that's just not possible, um, while they're doing like more of their independent work, um, with homeschooling. But then, um, typically in the afternoon, they have a lot of time, um, to just free time to, to play and, um, you know, they watch their TV or do their video games or whatever. And that's when I get some more work done. Um, some more concentrated work time. I try not to do too much work after they go to bed. Um, because, I just am like mentally just drained and I usually end up just sitting down and staring at my computer <laughs> and not doing anything anyway. So I try to do it in the morning during the day. Um, and that has been working for me lately. Uh, I love Okay. This is so fun because I'm like the exact opposite. So I'm not a morning person. My kids are not morning people. We tried to do like school kind of first thing in the morning and it did not go well. So our day is kind of like we wake up we sit down and snuggle on the couch and we watch a show together. And then, uh, and then we get into, um, we start to get into like our schoolwork and, um, and then in the afternoon or depending on if I have a coaching call or something like that, you know, they kind of, and I try to keep my days consistent. I'm like, okay, at 10 o'clock is my work time or, you know, whatever it is. Summertime's a little bit different. Um, but, I found that like having that consistent, like where they know like, okay, this from this time, this time is kind of like our time together to work on school, you know, whatever that looks like. Um, and then from this time to this time is my time to work. doesn't mean they don't interrupt me, right. <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, I found that like consistently versus like trying to have like one day that, you know, I work at 10 and one day I work at 12 and one day. And so that like consistent schedule I find really helps my kids and me, um, and so, yeah, kind of in the afternoon, um, I'll do like a call or something like that. And then if we have stuff to finish up, I'll come back and, and help them finish stuff up. And then I'm a night owl. So I do a lot of my concentrated work time at night or on Wednesdays, my mom comes over. Um, and that's like my day to like get a lot of stuff done. Um, I don't do well with the like you know, if I, if I do a coaching call, that's fine. But if it's like, okay, I have like some serious work to get done where it takes concentration. Um, I have to have like chunks of time. And so I have like one day a week where I do that. And then usually like nighttime, um, I'm the opposite. I wake up and if I'm trying to work in the morning, I'm like, 
I, I got nothing. Nothing's coming to me, but <laughs> nighttime, I mean, 11 o'clock at night, like I can bust out a blog post, like nobody's business. So, hmm. uh, and so I just wanted to point that out that like, everybody is so different. So for those of you listening, um, stop trying to put yourself into somebody else's box and be okay with how you work and how you operate. I think that's so, so important for mompreneurs to understand. Um, and that like your homeschool doesn't look like have to look like anybody else's and your workday doesn't have to look like anybody else's and just really lean into, you know, who God created you to be um, and, and being okay with that. So, okay, Rachel, as we um, wrap up here, um, we're going to get into our kind of our lightning round questions. Um, is there any kind of just like last piece of advice or anything you want to say to a mompreneur who is listening? Just, I guess, just keep going, <laughs> just keep, you know, um, keep that it's that progress. It's that moving forward, um, doing, you know, just the next thing, um, whether it be with your kids or with homeschooling or with your business, it's more about prog you know, that progression moving forward, um, and not perfection or performance for, from your kids. Yes. Oh, I love it so much. I think that like taking away the performance is so, so important. Um, especially if you are starting homeschool, I think that's like the best piece of <laughs> wisdom and advice. Um, and Rachel, I'll have to have you back on and dive into the, like the ins and outs of how you like structured your business and all of that stuff. One of these times on for a mompreneur success stories, because, um, I'll, I'll tell you guys listening, her system that she has created is really, really impressive of just her email system and her sneak peek and just her whole like marketing kind of plan. Um, it's really intriguing to me. And, um, and I just think it's really impressive where she's at after just a year. Um, so we'll definitely have, I'll have to have you back on and we'll dive into that more, but, um, yeah. Okay. So what do you do for self-care for self-care? So like I said, already said, I wake up before my kids. I think that's very important for my self-care is mm -hmm. to have some time alone in the morning, um, even before I start working, um, just to be by myself and to think and to let my ideas flow, to pray and to read my Bible and things like that. Like I like, I have to have that. Um, if I do that, I don't always get it, but if I get that time in the morning, my, I notice my whole day goes better. Um, and then, it also, if I work out, if I make time to work out, that's, I go in the garage and close the door, <laughs> they do their thing. And, um, and that's my time to, you know, really sweat it out. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I'm the same. I have to start my work day. So my work day is not, you know, it's usually like afternoon, but I start it by that same, like quiet time journaling prayer. Um, so for me, it's not necessarily like waking up first thing in the morning and doing that and more because I've tried to do that and it just did not work well. I would be like half asleep. And so, um, but I just, work if you're not a morning person. Yeah. But that quiet time, that journaling before your work time, I think is so important to just get your mind to quiet instead of letting, you know, the 10 million different things that you feel like you have to do, um, swirling around you're, you're much more productive. So I love that. Um, do you know your Enneagram number? I do. I think, um, I am a counterphobic six. Oh, that's right. Okay. We talked about this. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Tell us what that means. Counterphobic six. So a six is, um, sixes typically have anxiety. <laughs> 
um, a little bit. And, um, and so, but a counterphobic six, if I understand, I don't know everything about the Enneagram. Um, but the way I understand it is a counterphobic six has the anxiety, um, but kind of makes a plan for all of the possible situations that come up in, in, in my brain. <laughs> so I have a plan for everything, anything that could go wrong. I probably have a plan for it, <laughs> which is probably why your whole business setup and your email plan is so good because like, you're like, okay, what if this question comes in? What if this question comes in? Is that accurate? Probably that is a very, <laughs> that's a very, very good possibility. <laughs> um, and I have pretty balanced wings. Um, I have a lot of I'm very analytical, you know, that analytical side of the fives and the kind of a lot of the seven stuff as well. Like I'm, um, always up for fun as long as it doesn't cause me too much anxiety. Um, <laughs> but, um, I'm always, I, it's funny because with my kids, I'm like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like, let's go. I tell my sister, like, let's go do this fun thing with eight kids. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And she's like, looking at me like, I, that does not sound like it's going to be fine. Sure. It's going to be fine. And that is usually not. And but I have a plan for it. I don't know. <laughs> so oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it. Idiot I think it's so fun. It is fun. Um, okay. Last question. What? Okay. I, I think I asked you this already kind of, but what is one piece of advice you have for a fellow mompreneur? So do you have anything different than what you already said? I guess. Um, if you could find a way to keep yourself accountable. Um, you know, that would be uh, some sort of something to keep yourself doing what I said before, like keep yourself pro um, progressing and moving forward. Um, whether it be, you know, have a coach or have a membership that you're a part of or something that is helping you or like a homeschool, you know, virtual co-op, if you homeschool, you know, something that's keeping you um, moving forward and, and accountable, um, is, is really, really helpful you know, and make yeah. it your own. Like, don't try to adopt something that's, that works for someone else. Like we already talked about, yeah. um, with our, with our morning routines, but, or with our routines, but have something that works for you and take the time to find out what works for you. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah. What, what, what type of accountability works for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's good. And, um, with the, anybody that signs up for the virtual co-op, they're automatically put into a Facebook community. Is that how it works? Yeah. 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 There's, um, yeah, there's the Facebook community and there's different, um, zoom things that we do and all sorts of, I don't know, just all sorts of things that, that help to keep you accountable with homeschooling. And if anybody, um, that's listening would like to join the sneak peek so that they can, um, try it out. If you homeschool, um, you're welcome to go to the homeschool.com forward slash sneak peek and, um, and try those out, try those classes out. Awesome. And where can everyone find you on Instagram, Facebook, all the good places. I'm at the hands-on homeschool on Facebook and on Instagram. So pretty much any, anywhere you go, you can find Rachel hands-on homeschool, Google it and it'll pop right up. I can tell yep, you that. The hands-on homeschool. <laughs> awesome. Rachel is so great having you today. Thanks for taking time to chat with us. I know. Um, so we are in different time zones. It's 7.30 PM my time uh, as we're recording this and it's 9.30 Rachel's time. So um, 10.30. Oh, it's 10.30. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, right. You're three hours ahead. Uh, I had coffee this afternoon. 
<laughs> so I'm sure that she's ready for bed. And uh, yeah, we've been recording these from our offices. So we both um, are in closet offices. Hers is beautiful and very pretty. You'll see it if you um, join the, the virtual co-op. Mine, not quite as much, but um, it so, looks so fun. This is mompreneur life. We make it work um, and fit it into the pockets where we can. So thank you, Rachel. I'll, I'll have to have you on again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining today's episode. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I just want you to know that God did not give you the gifts and the passions and the desires in your heart for you to feel overwhelmed and stressed, for you to be grumpy with your kids. We've all been there. I have been there. But I want you to know that God has equipped you with the ability to work from rest instead of stress. For the ability to find balance. And it's not about perfection. And it looks different for everyone. And I want to help you get there. I want to invite you in to my free Heartfelt Mamas community. A space where we grow together in business, faith, and motherhood. And if you are looking for a little extra accountability, join us in the Mompreneur membership where we meet three times a month. For more information, you can follow me at Heartfelt Mamas on Instagram or Facebook. You can go to my website at Heartfelt Mamas. That's H-E-A-R-T-F-E-L-T-M-A-M-A-S dot com slash community. I can't wait to chat with you next week.